But these are exciting times. You're going to have to convince yourself of that from time to time. But, um, but just do it. Just convince yourself. Say, self, these are exciting times. You know, I mean, David, you know, he had to, to command himself at times, you know, to rejoice. I will. He said, I will rejoice in the Lord. You have to make a determination. It's got to be an act of your will. I will. The devil will say, no, you won't. But then you come back and say, I will. I will rejoice in the Lord. And uh, because I know who's ruling and reigning. There's a scripture that I was going to read, kind of get us started. Then we're going to go so many different ways. But hopefully we'll end up back on the right way. But this is over in Daniel, chapter 9. Listen to this. It says, the street shall be built again. And the wall, say the wall will be built. Now, this was after the destruction, you know, of Jerusalem. But it will do. This will happen. It says in verse 25, The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. Did you hear me? Even. In spite of. Or maybe because of. So, you know, one of the, um, the first promises the Lord gave us when we became, you know, they gave me the mantle to become the pastor. This was when we were in the warehouse, Eric, you know, over there in Wilkesboro. And we had this gigantic warehouse. It would seat about 3,000 people. And we had all these chairs. And uh, I would have never left. I would walk out here. This was a big empty shell, a building. It sat here for lots of years. And I just couldn't see, you know, why would we come out here in the middle of nowhere where people can't even find us on the GPS sometimes and uh, leave that big warehouse. But God had another, another thing in mind, another purpose. They sold the warehouse, and so we had to get out and vacate it. What is it? It's a glove factory, right? Yes, yeah, a glove factory. And anyway, and then the Lord began to direct us out here. And um, it's been a wonderful joy. Been battles and challenges. Victories and defeat. But that's what life is. You're not supposed to live on the mountain forever. You know that. You go in the valley. That's where fruit is grown. That's where you do the will of the Father. You get instructions on the mountain. If it's up to me, I'd stay on the mountain all the time. But we are called to live in the valley. And even though we walk through a valley of the shadow of death, what are we not going to do? <laughs> We're not going to fear. I'm not going to fear any evil. But anyway, one of the first promises, the reason I thought about that, is when we were in the warehouse, this was maybe in the first year. I know it was. But one thing that the Holy Spirit impressed upon me is that we would be among, as the sons of Issachar. Remember that. The sons of Issachar. What were they? They had an understanding of the times but also they knew what Israel ought to do. It's one thing to understand the times. We need to know what the church, what we're supposed to be doing. You need to know what your family, what are you supposed to be doing in this hour? And uh, so we were given that promise, and I'm believing that. We've got to discern the times. Say, discern the times. 
You know, Jesus rebuked those. They could tell the weather. You could, they'd tell you what the forecast was, but they could not discern the signs of the times. And we must be able to discern them. But secondly, we must be able to properly interpret them. Say interpret. And not only interpret, be able to apply them to our lives. Okay, God, this is going on in the world. I can't stop it. So how, how does your word apply to me in the midst of this hour in which we live? Does that make sense? The Bible is not just a historical book. It's an everyday. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. And we've got to live in this hour with the faith that they had in their hour years ago. But we have to properly interpret. Then we have to prepare. Say prepare. You've got to prepare. You can't just blindly enter these days without making preparation. And I'm talking more about that. Then we must redeem the time. Say redeem. You remember that scripture, Ephesians 5.18. We are to walk not as fools. That should encourage us. Don't be a fool. If I have a word for you today, don't be a fool. How many of you would say, I ain't planning on being a fool. I'm not. But it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. When I read that, I think that's an understatement. The days are evil. So we're to redeem the time. I think we're to define the times. I... um, Somebody sent me from, you know, Sadhu, the man, he's been here a couple times. He's a friend, and he was sharing with all those that are, I guess, a part of an online class. He was sharing with them what the World Economic Forum decided this week. Most people don't even know what the World Economic Forum is. I do. And I heard a little bit about this even before, and, uh, and I heard, and he shared and confirmed that they've moved up their timetable for global governance from 2030 to 2023. And I thought, well, that's interesting. They've moved up their timetable. It's probably because they've got so many fooled in this hour. And they found how easy it is that, a, that people are just rolling over. But that is, if you, let me just, you don't have to study all that today. It, it is a realignment. Actually, it's a, it's a great reset of economically, materialistically, materi- militarily, and politically. It's a great reset. They think they're going to, you know, rule the planet. It's just really a remark. It's almost like we're living in a science fiction story. You wouldn't believe it unless you believe the Bible. Folks that don't believe the Bible, you try to tell them what's happening, they'll look at you like you've lost your mind. And I hope we have. I hope we have the mind of Christ in this hour. Because our mind ain't going to work. It's going to become a little bit disheartening. But anyway, I was thinking about all that great reset, aligning the earth in a global government. You know what it's all about, don't you? It's preparing the way for what they believe is their coming Messiah, their Antichrist. And I'm not going to go there today, but I'm going there soon. But I do want to show you one thing. Because I want to pray, so I want to proclaim something. You know, we're not supposed to let these people make their declarations without having something to say about it. Does that make sense? 
If the devil tells you you're miserable, dirty, rotten scum, you should have something to say about it. You say, no, that's not true. I'm a child of God. I'm born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb, complete in Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm a son of the living. You should have something to say. If you just let him dictate who you are, you're missing out on the better part of the story. So anyway, I wanted to respond to their moving their timetable up. I want to mess it up. This is what I want to do. So anyway, look over in Daniel chapter 11. So I'm just going to touch on things. But this is not where we're going today. Say, this is not where we're going. And it ain't where they're going either. I don't mean to say ain't. I just feel like it this morning. <laughs> because I feel like, who did they think they are? Gods? Well, they may think they're gods. But our God is God. There's only one God. And um, Scott laid that out last week so well. The one true God. The greatest commandment. I was a little bit tricked, too, by that statement. What was the great commandment? I would have said, too, to love your Lord, your God, with all. But we found out there was something else that God had in mind, that He is one. Anyway, it was a great word last Sunday, but this is a new day. So let me just show you. Daniel chapter 11. Remember that promise in verse 32. I'm setting the stage for where we'll go maybe next week. If I can, you know, I want to go there. But anyway, those who... Do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God, say the people who know their God, will be strong and carry out great exploits. We're going to be doing things we never thought we could have done. And we would not have done unless he enabled us with the grace at the revelation and the hour in which we're living. But then you go ahead and read. It speaks about in verse 33, and of those of the people who understand, they shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, captivity and plundering. We'll talk about that sometime, but not today. Verse 34, but when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. When I read that, I think, well, a little help is better than no help. So I appreciate the little help. But many shall join them by intrigue. Now that word intrigue means slipperiness. Slipperiness. It means that men will do things in this hour. You won't be able to, to fully capture them. It'll be like they, they have a way to get out of the mess they, you know, they're trying to build. They're slippery. You can't pin them down. You can't seem to hold them and, and say, you've done this. I'm going to bring you to justice. They seem to get away with it. Now, also, I think it could mean we don't want to be in their slippery, in their slime, because you get in the midst of it, you're going to slip on into what they're building. So you don't want to be slip sliding away. Wasn't there a song like that one time? Slip sliding. You don't want to slip slide. You want to stand firm on the Word of God. You want to know who you are, know what God has said. And be confident. That makes sense. Well, anyway, I'm going to show you what this is where I'm getting to in this. Okay, a little help. Say, I want a little help. No, I want a lot of help, Lord. I'm changing the Bible. I want a lot of help. And He is our helper. Now, in verse 35, and some of those who understand shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white. Until by the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Say appointed time. 
Then the king shall do according to his own will. He will exalt and magnify himself above all that is God. And this is what's happening right now on planet earth. And they shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. Say shall be done. And he shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. Nor regard any God. For he shall exalt himself. And he's going to try to become God. But I, I, I want to show you. Look in verse 27. Back up. And this is how I want to pray. Both these kings' hearts... And these men, and probably they're, I don't know, probably women involved in this World Economic Forum, they're all, they're just people who think they're gods. But anyway, their hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper, for the end shall still be at an appointed time. Say an appointed time. You, you guys see what I see in this. I know the head of the forum that I'm speaking of. He wrote a book called COVID-19 and the Great Reset. And how they were going to use all that's happening. To redirect the world and reset the world. For their coming Messiah. It's an incredible story that we get to live. But that says it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen until the appointed time. So can you just agree with me today, and then I'm going to get in the Word, and I'm going to build you up. You're going to be built up. You think we could spoil the plans of the enemy from Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and from your nation and where you live? Listen, we got to rise up. You can't sit in your pew. you got to rise up. So we're going to rise up with what God said. And anyway, you pray with me in agreement. we got more than two, right? If you don't understand all this, don't worry about it. Some of us have to know a little bit about it so we can spoil it. Did Jesus spoil the plans of the devil? He made a public spectacle of him, having triumphed over him on the cross. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I understand, Lord, you knew all about it. These group gathered, and they said they're going to move up the timetable by seven years. Well, Lord, we just thank you that your word says none of these things will come to pass until there is an appointed time, a designated time. Man is not God. You are God. And so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the church of the living God, you said you've given us authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. So right now in Jesus' name, we pull down out of the heavens the plans, the schemes, the spoken words over the earth that we're saying the plans of darkness are going to speed up by seven years. We say no, we pull it down, it will not happen. We thank you, God, that man will not dictate the times. You're the God of the times and the seasons. So as the church on the earth, we say no to the plans of the enemy. We say yes to the plan of heaven. And we pull down those words. We call them null and void. The plans of darkness, we call them spoiled in Jesus' name. This will not happen before a final great harvest of souls is to be brought forth on the earth. So we thank you, Lord, that God in the place of what man is 
determined, we say, let God's counsel, let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we thank you we have this authority. And we're not going to back down and chicken out and run scared in this hour. We're not going to slip slide away. In the name of Jesus. How many of you really know what we just did? You have an understanding. This is, this is serious stuff. In other words, you better, you better guard my backside. As you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not those men that gathered, the women, whoever they were. I only know about the one that wrote the book. I didn't read that book. But I know enough about it. I'm seeing it being read right now by many walking it out. But, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. Amen? And we overcome. And it's the church that's supposed to make known to the principalities and powers and the heavenly places the manifold wisdom of God. That is a, one of the mysteries that are going to be revealed at the end of the age. So let's just sum that part up. And we'll try to get back there in some days to come. But the devil thinks he has a great plan. It's happening marvelously. He's really excited how many are falling for his plan. They're actually rooting for his plan to come to pass. They don't know that they're doing that. So they're all excited like, wow, we got them. But how many of you know their plans were spoiled one time before? They thought, wow, we got him. We're going to crucify him. This is it. We're burying him. This is the end of that plan. We silenced that word. It did not work. It just caused the plan of God to come forth. And so it is in this hour. Now go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. I don't know what it is in me. Maybe God made me that way. I'm just, you pick a fight. I'm not going to run from it. So anyway, we had to fight this morning because we're fighting for a whole bunch, guys. Our children, children's children, our grandchildren. I tell you, we need people that are going to fight, not run. If you're going to run, there are many places you can run to called churches in America. And they'll tickle your ears. They'll tell you it's a wonderful day. So this is kind of what we're talking. And it is a wonderful day. Don't, don't get, this is a wonderful life. It's not about how it's look, lived out. I mean, it is how it's lived out. It's not what it looks like. It is a wonderful life. It's almost that season. We were in Pennsylvania this week getting some Christmas stuff from her parents passed away. So we had to bring a lot of Christmas stuff. So we were thinking about Christmas this weekend. And when I had in my house, it was beginning to look a lot like Christmas because we were unpackaging all these things. So I was getting excited. I always got excited when I was a kid, didn't you? I couldn't wait. And I'd try to sneak up and catch the guy that would bring stuff. But anyway, never, I never caught him. Okay, let to the subject. Jeremiah 29, verse 8. And thus, so this will be the rest of the time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. When you say, thus says the God of hosts, the Lord of hosts, that means you're proclaiming what God is saying. 
Right? We need more of that today. I've told you many times, I remember in seminary, the question came up, when is God going to raise up those who say, thus saith the Lord again? And I remember volunteering. I wanted to be one. I said, God, here am me. Here am I. I want to be one. And we're doing that today. For thus says the Lord of hosts, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. And we'll, understand, we'll explain this. And I have not sent them, says the Lord. Do you think there are any speaking today that God has not sent? That's what that talks about. Verse 10. For thus says the Lord. After 70 years are completed. At Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know, this is, this is the scripture. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts are plans of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Say amen. That's a good scripture. Then you shall call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, you know, America has had a number of men that have spoken into the church. God gave them a platform. You know, you know, one of my favorites was Billy Graham and I just appreciate that man. And he was one of my spiritual heroes. And uh, for many reasons. But there have been many people, you know, that God raised up and gave them a voice. Now, I I didn't follow this particular man as closely, but I know that God used him in a certain aspect of the body of Christ. But David Jeremiah, and uh, he had a radio program for many years. I guess he still does. I don't know. But he said this. Because this caught my attention. He said, two groups are vying for our minds but with the same end in view. First, he said there were the liberal, and, and I'm going to add to a little bit to try to explain more. I would say the humanistic are those of a Marxist ideology. These are those who view the Bible as foolish. And they view everyone who would believe the Bible as foolish. And if it was up to them, they would take the Bible from us. Now, this has happened all through history, right? There have been times when there were those who said, your Bible is outdated. Besides, it was a threat to their control. So they said, we're just going to take the Bible from you. Everybody know what I'm talking about? There have been those. So he said there's uh, that kind of group. And then there, were, there are those whose faith is more defined in their experience or in maybe their own doctrinal preferences who at the end of the day would take us from a, away from the Bible did you hear me let's see if I can make that make it make sense there are two great enemies in other words those from the outside who would take away the Bible from us and those from the inside of the church who would take us away from the Bible does that make sense it did to me when I, I said Well, you know, I haven't heard David Jeremiah a whole lot. I'm familiar with him, but 
I can say amen to that. And then I know there's another group over there. They want us to be in this legalistic, you know, the letter of the law kills. And so they lead us into the list of do's and don'ts, into religious legalism, where you can never do and you can never don't. Just, it's this battle. So anyway, there's all kinds of groups. You don't want to be involved in, in any of that. We want to be involved in the faithful. You know, the Scripture confirms faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. It's not by hearing the Word of man. Not by hearing a dream or a prophecy, though we do not despise prophecies. It's by hearing the Word. Whether someone initially comes to faith in Jesus Christ, which is happening now all over the earth in untold, unbelievable manner. We're living in, in the days of the harvest. You say, is it going to happen in America? It will. There may be a little more shaking involved because there's a lot of things standing in the way. But God is a God. It's His will that none should perish. But all would come to repentance. That's His will. Not that it's going to, everyone will be saved. We don't, there's some people believe the devil will be saved. That's the group that wants to take us away from the Bible. Satan is not going to be saved. He's going to be cast into a lake of fire, burns continually forever and ever and ever. That's his destiny. It's not salvation. I can't even believe people believe stuff like that. But anyway, faith comes by hearing, whether it's initially, or it's by our growing in Christ, in who we are in Christ, becoming the men and women of God we're called to be, right? Faith comes by hearing. Faith is built up by the Word of God. So we want to stand on the Word. We want to be men and women who hear the Word. Now, we've referred to this Scripture a lot. But I'm not going to apologize when I repeat things. Because Jesus used repetition. He just spoke in different ways. But this Scripture, we've got to get it down. It says this, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all these things, their experiences in their journey... The things that happened to them that they thought were bad, challenging, whatever. In the Old Testament, they happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. So we don't throw away the Old Testament. We really search the Scriptures. Jesus is hidden in the Old. He revealed in the New. But He's there. He's all through the Scripture. He is the Word of God. Now, you know what the word admonition means, anybody? Counsel. It also, yes, it means counsel or warning. Both. So we're warned by the Word of God, right? Do you think we need to be warned from time to time? If you're heading off a cliff, wouldn't you appreciate if somebody behind you said, Stop. Stop. Don't do that. You're heading in the wrong direction. But we need also that counsel. And that's what the Word of God is. All right, now look back in Jeremiah 28. And then we're going to get back into 29. And I've got some things I'm just going to plant and release faith in you. You've got to have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And my commission is to preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Somebody else may have something else. He told me, preach the Word. 
In season and out of season means when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. When they want to hear it, and when they don't want to hear it. When you're popular or when you're stoned. It doesn't matter. You preach the word. And I'm not going to get away. I've been in this too long now. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out fighting. I'm going to go out. I'd rather, I'd tell you, I'm just anyway. I just appreciate finding out a little bit about what's going on in the world. Not enough, I don't want to major in that stuff. But I want to know enough because I know they're coming for a fight. I know they're coming to fight us. I know that. Well, well, they picked a fight. And I'm telling you, this fight's already been rigged. We win. We win. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. They're picking a fight they can't win. And it may look like they won for a time. But I know the rest of the story. Now, Jeremiah, let's, let's just look at this. Because I want you to see this in the context of the days in which we're living. And it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azar, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord. He spoke to all the people. He said, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Now, that's not the determining factor as to whether someone is actually speaking for God or not. It's not whether they say they're speaking for God. It's whether they are speaking for God. You've got to put them to the test. And that's what happens here. He's speaking. And he says, saying, I've broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I'm going to bring back this place, all the vessels of the Lord's house, from that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away. And I will bring back to this place, and he mentions these things, and I will break, verse 4, the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now, how many of you, if Hananiah was preaching today and he preached this message. How many of you would say amen? Amen. Man, this is glorious. Everything's broken. Things are about to get better. Life is cruise sailing from here on out. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the people, or to prophet Hananiah in the presence of the people. Stood in the presence of all and stood. And Jeremiah is just having a little fun with him. Amen. I can see him in the back. Amen, brother. Preacher. It's false prophecy, but amen. So be it. It's what the people wanted to hear. It tickled their ears. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words, which you prophesied to bring back all the vessels of the house from Babylon. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and the hearing of the people. The prophets, you got to see this. This is one of those scriptures you would miss if you didn't have somebody really saying, you got to see this. Say, you got to see this. Say, I'm going to see it. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. In other words, there have been many that preached this message, but the people really didn't want to hear it. But can I tell you, those who preached verse 8 were actually the real ones. Those who preached out of verse 9 were the false ones. Can I show you that? As for the prophet who prophesies of peace. Well, when, the, when there is no peace. In other words, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, 
the prophet will be known as one to whom the Lord is truly sent. Isn't that amazing? The test as to whether someone has a real prophecy or not. It's not those that speak the judgments and what will come because of sin, but those who speak peace and safety in the midst of sin with no repentance. They are the false prophets. And the test is not whether the doom, the destruction comes and the judgments that were prophesied, but whether the one who preached the peace, whether their message actually comes to pass. Did you hear that? That's the test. Well, I know most people, that's strange. What are you talking about? Verse 10, then Hanani the prophet took the yoke off of, now he really doubled down on his false prophecy. He took the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and he broke it. I bet Hananiah was spitting mad. What do you mean, interrupting my prophecy? And then Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people saying, thus says the Lord. Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, the neck of all the nations. Within the space of two years, he even gave a time for his prophecy. Two years. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah, the prophet, made a fool of himself. No, broke the yoke in the neck of the prophet Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord. Now, here's a real thus saith the Lord. You have broken the yokes of wood, but you've made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke on, of iron on the necks of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And I've given him the beasts of the field. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. They wanted to hear your word because it tickled their ears. But you made them trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. The man that just said, Thus saith the Lord. This year you shall die because you've taught rebellion against the Lord. That word rebellion, I've got to find out what that meant because I wrote that down. It means, that, now this surprised me, it means... You cause the people to cease. You cause them to stop and put their trust in a false prophecy, in something that was not going to deliver them, rather than being about the will of God where they are right now. I hope I can make that make sense. I'm going to step out on a limb. But I like stepping out on limbs when I was a kid. I loved to climb trees. I'd step out. I'd go the furthest because I was one of the smallest. I figured I can get out there. And sometimes I would, and then they'd have to come pick me up. <laughs> anyway, I, was, I guess I wanted, I wanted to prove a point. <clears throat> but anyway, the prophets of peace and safety, they caused the people to cease, to stop. They, had, they gave them a false hope. They stopped discerning. They stopped preparing. They stopped redeeming the times. They were given a false security. And I'm just telling you, I see this from time to time today. It's like there's a false, false mindset out there that's, that causes the people to relax. And instead of bearing down, getting ready for the fight, redeeming the time, discerning the times, gearing up, preparing, getting ready to engage 
they think, well, things are going to suddenly be fixed overnight. And I see it as the same principle. And God's going to deal with it. You remember, now I know I've shared this a couple times, but it's worth repeating. Say it's worth repeating. Because to me, it's like a word from the Lord from Gandalf. Because I, we watch the Lord of the Rings. But you remember, I, I've shared this. Some of you remember, some of you won't. Even if you heard it, you may not remember. That's one of the most frustrating things about being a pastor. Do you remember when I said that? Said what? <laughs> what, what did you say? I was thinking about dinner or something, you know. No, I didn't. But anyway, remember Frodo. He gets the ring. And trouble comes his way because of the ring. Remember? Troublesome times. They come, and so Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish these times, I wish none of this had ever happened. And Gandalf, Frodo, this is not for you to decide. This is what all people want in times like this. But it's not for them to decide. What, is, what they must decide is what they're going to do with the times they've been given. Do you understand that? A lot of us would rather not go through the days. My prayer is, Lord, if there's any way, take this cup from me. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody else there? Lord, take this cup from us. But nevertheless, nevertheless, what are you here for? Your will or His will? Does He want you glorified or does He want His Son to be glorified? Through us. So anyway, nevertheless. So thank God for Gandalf and the wisdom. So anyway, Hananiah taught them rebellion. They cast off in the time they were living, and they thought there was a quick fix, an easy fix. Someone was coming to the rescue. Okay, chapter 29. Go with me back now. So what's happening? Jeremiah 29 is an amazing scripture. I, I appreciate this promise. To tell you a little bit about my journey when I was living in Waco, Texas, for a little season, God sent me to a spirit-filled Baptist church because all this was new to me. I thought raising your hands was foolish. You know, I thought, you speak in some unknown language, I, I thought maybe it's the demon. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. I just knew what they told me. Anyway, God had me on a journey. I think I was filled with the Holy Spirit before I ever knew I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I, just things, people would come up and prophesy to me. You shall be filled with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I said, Who are you talking to? I'll never, never forget all that. But, but anyway, one day, I was really sad and mad at God. You ever been mad at God? Because I was single. It was in Texas by myself. I mean, there's a lot of people there. And I wanted to date the girls that go to Baylor. I think I may have shared this, but they had some pretty girls at Baylor University. And I thought God sent me to Waco to find a wife. 
I said, Lord, this is pretty good. You sent me to go into this church, and there's a lot of college. You know, I'm in my young, I'm 20s, so I'm not robbing the cradle. I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And I'll never forget one Wednesday night I was going to the service because they were worshiping. These were the days I would weep in worship because I'd never heard that before. You know what I'm talking about. It was so precious, the present. Anyway, I was on the way to the worship that night and I heard, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do not date the college women. And I rebuked it. I said, I, I rebuked that thought in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's not God. That's the devil if I ever heard. And so I paid no mind. And I tried to date. And it wouldn't work. I had a date with this girl named Emily. And I, she was part of the church. And she called me before the date. She said, David, the Lord spoke to me tonight. And said, I am not to go out with you. I mean, God, I, I thought you were on my side. What is this? What are you doing? And I was mad. I'm just telling you, I was mad. What do you mean telling this girl? God, that's not fair. You know, and he reminded me what he told me. He reminded me. I told you, don't date the college women. I got somebody waiting in the wings. But anyway, I, I, I went wherever I was that day, and I was really mad at God. And, and that scripture came to my mind. I hadn't heard it that much. It was new to me. But I went and looked it up. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I remember how that just set me free. I thought, Wow. God, you mean you're that big? You could tell a girl not to go out with me, and you said you know the plans you have for me, and they're good and not for evil. And you've got given me a future and a hope. And I found him to be true. Now, let me tell you the context, and then we're going to look at a few things. What was going on? Extremely difficult times. Most people quote that verse, but they don't tell you the context. I'm going to tell you the context. They were living in Babylon. They were in a place they wished they had never been taken. They didn't volunteer. They were taken. They just happened to be what they probably thought was the wrong place at the wrong time, but actually they were in the right place at the right time. And they were very concerned. They thought their whole world had been turned upside down, and it had. Nothing was as it was. Their freedoms were gone. They were tempted to become discouraged. Even felt at times like just probably ending it all. You know, suicide today has taken a whole lot of people. Because people are being isolated. Can you imagine being an older person in a hospital, nobody, none in your family can get to you, and you're left alone to die at the mercy of what they put in you? I'm just telling you, this is a crazy time. They're just doing what they're told to do. 
Many are awakening. Many are waking up. I heard somebody say this week, it's probably too late to wake up the sheep. You've got to awaken the lions. The way, that's probably pretty good. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is awakening. Anyway, they saw what was happening. They were discouraged, about ready to give up. But then all of a sudden, Jeremiah the prophet speaks this promise. I know, God said, thus says God, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So here's some things that I noticed out of this that we have to understand in this context. Hananiah came and said, man, everything's about to get rosy. Within two years, God's going to break this yoke and you're going to be free and everything you've ever dreamed of. It was false. It was false. So what do we learn from this? Number one, after a certain amount of time, Things that we think are going to last forever never do. Did you hear me? He said, after 70 years. Hananiah said, after two years. Jeremiah said, no, after 70 years. In other words, you're going to have to bear down, prepare, get your mindset, get ready to engage because the enemy... You're going to be living in a place you would rather have not lived. That's what he's saying. Do anybody see this? I'm not... Let the Holy Spirit do the walking in your mind as to what's happening. I'm just telling you like I read it. But I'm telling you that not everything lasts forever, even though it may seem like it will. I grew up in South Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana, and we saw some big storms come our way. I think I told you I remember Hurricane Camille. You might remember Camille. Wait a minute. Yeah, just a few? Okay, you're not. Yeah, you remember Camille. It was big. It was like a Katrina. Bigger. Camille was big. I don't know if that was the one we were playing football in the backyard and, and the eye. No, this was Betsy. Me and my brothers were playing football in the field. And anyway, when the eye came... And we were playing football. Then all of a sudden the eye moved on. And anyway, that was a different thing. But yeah, don't do I just figured, man, it's gone. Sunny skies we can play. Boy, little did I know. But anyway, I remember Camille was serious. And I, we could hear the trees popping one after another. The pine trees popping. Man, it was exciting for a little kid. And, and me and my brother, now the windows had been taped up because we taped them up before the storm comes through. So we're standing at the front window looking out, saying, wow, this is, watching the trees. And then all of a sudden, we heard this like, and the whole house shook. And my mother in the other room screamed, get away from the window. So we got away from the window. Now the window didn't break, but it was serious. And at that, I realized then, this, this is more serious than I think. As a little kid, you know, I don't know how we were, but it was a major thing. And then I remember all kinds of storms. I remember the time, I think I've mentioned this too, I was playing with my cars in my driveway. How many of you played with cars? 
It was one of my favorite things to do. I'm playing with my cars, and all of a sudden, the thunder is like, and my first thought was, Jesus is coming back. And I ain't staying out here. And I ran in the house. I'm going to be with Mama, man. I ain't, this is, I ain't, this day, look, I wasn't ready. So I was in the house. But there were some big storms in southeast Louisiana. Well, guess what? They all came and they all went. Every, even Camille didn't last, wasn't that long. We've had many like that. And so it's going to be. You know, the other night, Isaac, so good to see Isaac this morning. Isaac is our son-in-law. We appreciate what the Lord's doing in his life. And Addie was spending the night with us the other night. We're getting ready for bed, and she looked up at us and said, A storm is coming. I said, What, Addie? What's that? She said, A storm is coming. And I knew what she was talking about. And there are storms. You know, the Bible speaks about the hour of trial. To me, an hour of trial is better than 24 hours of trial. The day of trouble. That's better than every day's trouble. Even a little help is better than no help. Though he's the helper. There's no, you know, there's no, I don't know how you put any limit. But, and then in Smyrna. The revelation. You remember what he said, do not fear any of those things you are about to suffer. How many of you remember the scripture says that? Some people today say, well, no suffering. You must not read the same Bible I read. We are to share in the sufferings of Christ. If you suffer with him, then you shall reign with him. If you deny him, he will deny you. But anyway, it says, do not fear any of those things you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Now, when I read that, I circle ten days. Because I always think, God, ten days is a whole bunch better than, you know, all the days. But then he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Here's some things I see in that, real quick. We're going to move on, but stay with me. The things that we face, we're not to fear. He says, do not fear. There will be grace given in it, whatever we face. Whatever we face, grace is greater. We may stand I saw the beast in a dream. You've known that. I won't go there again today. I've seen the beast. The Lord showed me. And it's not... (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to get off there. But whatever we face, do not say, I will not fear. Secondly, the devil can throw some of you into prison. Now, what kind of faith... What kind of scripture is that? How is that going to encourage people? The devil will throw some of you into prison. Because he can. How do you know? He's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Can he steal? Can he kill? Can he destroy entire nations? Jesus said, do not fear him who can kill the body. But fear the one who throws body, soul, Fear God, in other words. 
The next thing is some of you. I like that word. He will throw some of you into prison. That scripture I circled. Some of you. God, I thank you it's not all of us. Maybe I'm, I'm not one of the some. Maybe I am. Some of you. I think I'll let God. Because the crown for the some will be the martyr's crown. And then number four, it's a test. To test all who live on the earth. To see whom your God was. Was your God yourself? Was your God your doctrine? Or was He your God? And then he said, tribulation, ten days, we talked about it. Be faithful unto death. That's a command. It's a command. What did we read last week? When I came in, I had read Oswald Chambers. Remember I shared that with you and how Chambers said, the Lord has not given us the right to resent times of tyranny and injustice. Remember that? We do not resent times of tyranny and injustice. But God has a greater plan. And then be faithful. Be faithful. And then there's a great reward, and that's the crown of life. Now, here's some things that last forever. His love. I'm not going to read there, but neither death, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, height, all these things. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That is not a fairy tale. That is the fact of the matter. Nothing. You've got to be rooted in that. Nothing. Because you might feel unloved in this life from time to time. Anybody been there? Nothing. Yeah, but what if nothing shall separate you from the love of God? So that lasts forever. God's faithfulness. If you're faithless, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself Great is your faithfulness. Say faithfulness. God's faithfulness will last forever. Forever. Yeah, but what if you don't deserve it? How many of you deserve it? Do we have, how many of you deserve God to be faithful to you all the time? I, it's God's grace, God's mercy. He's faithful. Because my trust is in His Son, and He looks at me through the shed blood... But then his word lasts forever. His promises are yes and amen. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will endure forever. They, they could have used that verse in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah could have said, hey, okay, you're going into Babylon. It may look like heaven and earth is passing away. But remember, God's word that I'm speaking to you right now is not going to pass away. It will last forever. Do you understand? I know the plans. Okay, secondly, regardless of what they were facing in Babylon, God would be with them just as He promised. And He promised them His good word. Say His good word. God's word is good. Even the warnings are good. How many of you know the warnings are good? I'm glad God warns us some things He warns you not to do. And if you do it, it hurts. And if it doesn't hurt, then God as a father will make sure you know it hurts because you're His son. And whom He loves, He does what? He chastens. So you won't do it again. 
Does that make sense? What kind of father would let you mess up that something's going to kill you and just ignore it? Oh, it's okay. You're loved of God. Well, if you're really loved, then the father would take out something and beat you like a pup. So you won't go do that again. So you won't have to go there. Does that make sense? Whom he loves, he chastens. With a rod, anyway, that's a whole different subject. We should be encouraged when he chastens us. Because if he doesn't chasten you, you know what that means. You're illegitimate. You do not belong to God if you never get chastened. That always encourages me, doesn't it, to you? Thank you, I'm part of the family. And uh, does any of you know what I'm talking about? Or am I speaking a foreign language? Thank God for his disciplines. But even in all this, his word, the good word, because they were not to diminish, they were to increase. He said, you go, how are you going to do this in Babylon? He said, no, like, you go build, you go plant. You don't plan on diminishing, you increase. That's what, this is the context. In Babylon? Are you kidding me? In Babylonian captivity. If you've seen what they do to their captives, you go build, you go plant, you go increase. Because I've got something greater in mind. It's God's good word. And then God knows. He says, I know. I know. This is where we're going to move quickly. I know. I know the plans I have for you. God knows. How many of you know God knows? God is all powerful. He's everywhere at one time. That one used to trick me up. How are you going to be everywhere one time? Well, he is. And he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. He knows. He knows. He knows your name. How many of you know he knows your name? Exodus 33, Moses knew that. He found out. He knows where you live. We went somewhere yesterday, the men of the church, to hang out. And I didn't know how to get there. But the GPS did. And I thought, well, God, if the GPS knows, you know. You could get us there. What if the GPS didn't work? What if there came a time the GPS didn't work? How am I going to find to get to where I need? Because I know the one who knows it all. God knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows where you need to be. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the things you need. Remember, he said, you guys are worried about what you're going to eat and drink what you're going to put on and all. Does your heavenly Father knows you have a need of all these things. What, what was his suggestion to them? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things that you think you need are going to be what? Added unto you. He knows the things you need even before you ask. So you wonder, why do you ask? If God knows what I need before I ask, why should I ask? Why? Why do you think? Because it shows our dependence and it acknowledges our trust in the one who meets those needs. Because he's God. He knows where you remember Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know the way. He said, I'm the way. I'm the way. Can I tell you, there'll be things come up in this hour you will not know the answer to. I pray in that moment the Holy Spirit will bring to your memory what. Jesus, what the Holy Spirit brought, Jesus brought to Thomas. We don't know where you're going. We don't even know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. 
I am the life. And he that follows me. I'm telling you, I hope he hears. And then the next thing, the Bible says he knows the plans or the thoughts. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it's thoughts, but it's also plans. It's God's agenda. God has an agenda for my life. He has an agenda for your life. You remember that old evangelism? It, well, not old, but the evangelism model that came out years ago. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. How many of you were saved by that evangelism explosion model? Anybody? Some of you were. It was a great model. If you forget what to say, you just go up. God loves you and has a great plan for your life. It beats going up to somebody and saying, Hey, man, you're on your way to hell. You're going to burn. That's it. History, you're dead. Dead meat. You leave the people scared. What? There's no hope. It's over. No. All that may be true, but give them hope. God loves you and has a wonderful plan. You need to remind yourself of that. God's got a great plan. He's got an agenda. Do you think for one moment the devil, he can enforce his agenda on a child of God that chooses to believe in God over the agenda of the devil and chooses to trust him and his word and is willing to pay the price, whatever it costs. There's no amens because you're thinking about it. Faith is more than just your word. Faith is action. You show me your faith without works and I'll show you a faith that's dead. And so God's going to do that's part of the shaking. We're going to see dead faith and real faith, but I thank God for God's plan. Say, thank God He's got a plan for me. It's a wonderful plan. It is a wonderful plan. What do you mean wonderful? It's full of wonder. Wonder. You mean God planned this for me? Yes. And then there are plans of good and not for evil. All I can say about that is just remember the prayer they taught us to pray when we were, you know, at his age, God is good, God is great. Let us, you know, let us thank him for our food. Just remember that. That's a lot of theology. God is good, and God is great. And the plans that he has for you are good. How do you know that? Romans eight twenty eight is one particular verse, right? For I know the plans I have for you. Well, we read that in Jeremiah, but we know all things work together for good. To them that do what? Love God and are called. Wait a minute. All things, even sitting in Babylon. What if I'm one of the ones that they choose to go into prison for 10 days? All things work together for good. Does that verse ever get disqualified or nullified? Say, God, this doesn't... God, you evidently, when you wrote that scripture, or the Holy Spirit threw me in, you weren't thinking about where I am right now. Because if you knew where I was right now, I don't know if you'd say that. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to say that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's not going to be. You're not going to say, well, God, no. And then, anyway, here's some things about Satan's lies real quick. God is not real. He'll tell you that. Secondly, he can't be trusted. He ever told you that? Did God really say that? 
did, no, God didn't mean you when he said that. Yes, he did. God can't. God didn't mean me. And God's not good. Yes, he is. And then next, to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to try to wrap this up. But they're sitting in Babylon. They survived the false prophets who told them peace and safety was coming. If they had put their trust in the false prophets, they could have been very disillusioned. Because they're in Babylon. They're in captivity. But Jeremiah showed up. And he gave them the word of the Lord. And he spoke to them in their captivity. I know, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I'm telling you, there are people right now all over the earth, and I'm getting to speak to some of them in Uganda and other places, but they want to know the future. What is the future hold? How many of you ever thought about it? God, what is the future hold? Well, now the Holy Spirit does show us things to come, but if there's aspects, and there are many aspects of the future you are not certain of, If you know the one who knows the future, do you think you might be in good hands? God knows it all. I already told you. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He knows. And all your questions. We, We said this a few weeks back. The way out is to look way, way up. Don't look out here for the answers. As long as America is looking to men or to some political, or to some whatever, I'm telling you, we're going to fall short. But the sooner we look up, is the sooner we're going to find the way out of this. Remember what I shared? I don't know if you guys were here, but somebody sent me a word, and I really bore witness. It said, if the church would awaken, all of this would soon be over. But if the church does not awaken... All of this will soon be over. And I believe that was a word from God. But individually, whether a nation awakens or not, a remnant is awakening. A remnant is... Can you just tell that word from Brother Sadu? He also encouraged the church to get in small groups. Get in small groups. I've been hearing that for a long time. Eight to ten people. You know, God is, evidently, He's been working among us. He's getting us into a small group so we can be most effective. And we're rescuers. We're not hiders. We're rescuers. Because not only do we have a future, we can offer the hopeless a future. And offer them hope at the same time. Does that make sense? Because we have the answer. Jesus is my hope. And He's your hope. And He will not fail. Men will fail. Constitutions might fail. I thank God for our Constitution, don't you? And I pray that it... It's not going to endure forever. There's a higher Constitution. It's much higher... God's established word and the kingdom of God which shall know no end 
Anyway, don't fret. And then the next thing, he's promised to hear our prayer. Remember that. And you will pray, and I will hear. And then he promised that if we seek him, we will find him. In this hour, we're going to find him like we never dreamed. And we're going to find him in places that we had never dreamed we would ever find him. Did you hear me? Like we've never dreamed and in places where we had never dreamed. But we're going to find him. We're going to find him faithful. We're going to find him as who he is. High and lifted up. Ruling, reigning, king of kings, Lord of lords. I got news for those guys who, made, who moved up their plans. I know one who has plans. He's not going to move them up. I, I mean, I know we can hasten the day by doing his will. But I just know they're established and they're written. And what God has said will come to pass. Over your life and over my life, over this nation's life, I'm believing God's word. And I'm staking my claim on thus saith the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your word that does not return void. Thank you for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. Lord, I thank you that in this day we're going to see the church that your son is building. And it will be known as your church. You're going to take it out of the hands of man and their doctrines and their denominations. You're going to take it out. You're going to say, this is my church. And my church I will build. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. I speak that promise over them. I remember in my own life, God, when I needed to hear this promise. I wasn't that familiar with it. But I became familiar. And I saw it come to pass. And I want to speak this over the people watching and all those in this room. Regardless of what the days may behold... I thank you we will behold the one who has the days, the times, the appointed times in his hand. And I speak, I know the plans. God says, I know the plans. I know the thoughts that I think and that I have for you. Plans and thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. And I thank you, God, that future is not limited to our life here and now. It's an eternal future. And I thank you for salvation. God, the greatest reset is when a man or a woman comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And their whole life is reset, redirected after the plan of heaven. And I pray that happens right now, God. I ask for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. No one can come to you when they want to. 
They come when you draw them. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I pray, God, that you would bring that now Holy Spirit to the nations. I thank you we're living in the time of the harvest. And in the time that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Nations, individuals. And God, we pray let our nation be one of them. And if our nation refuses, we want you to know there's a remnant. And we are. We're calling on you. With all of our heart. Forgive us for putting our faith in men, movements, ideologies. Anything other than your son. For God is our help amidst the flood. And we thank you for it. I just want to pray right now. If you're in this room and you've never met Jesus. You're not sure if you entered into eternity today. You don't know in this hour. Death is becoming a common word. People are speaking about now. Well, there's an answer to it. And though you may die, yet shall you live. And life comes in Christ Jesus and His death. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Those of you that are watching, say, I want to know Jesus. I want this Savior. I want to be saved. My trust is not in this thing I'm passing through called this world. My faith is in the living God. And I want to know Him. So just pray. Let's just pray something like this. Maybe there's somebody in this room. Just say, Dear God, I need you. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he lived and he died and he rose from the dead. And I confess my sin before you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me of my rebellion and stubbornness. I repent of my sin. I turn from my own way and I turn to follow Jesus. From this moment on, I call on your name. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And I make him my Lord. I confess him. And I receive him by faith. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, make sure you connect with us. If you prayed that in this room. You need to come up and grab somebody. We're going to be around praying for you. And just say, man, I prayed that first time. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Whether it's initial or whether it's later on and you've been a believer for 50 years, you never will outgrow the need to hear the word of God. Thank you, Lord.